0: When we uh, join our hearts together in a word of prayer this morning, <clears throat> Almighty God, uh, Lord, you are Almighty God. You are there at the creation beginning of it all. Lord, you are the ones that formed the sea. God, you are the one that parted the seas to deliver your people through dry ground. And Lord Jesus, you are the one that spoke to the seas, peace, and made them still. And yet God, in the aftermath of the waters, in the midst of floods, as we see people wading through their belongings, we, we look around, God, we cry out to you, we cry out to you this day. God, many of us have that question on our minds. Lord, where is your mighty power now? And we hear neighbors claiming their blessedness because they were spared. And yet, God, we know that, that others are no more or less blessed. And that the strength of their prayers was not too weak to save them. God, surely those who suffered prayed as well. So God, we come today and we just sit in that hard mystery of this natural world gone wrong. God, we might wonder about your presence in it. This is our age old question. The lament of our hearts. God, don't turn your face away from us. Meet us in our questions, in our heartaches, because surely, God, you are our refuge and our strength in times of trouble. And so whisper faith and hope into our weary souls today. And God, we pray that you show up with your resurrection power that lives in us now and God help us to be the church. So Lord, we have our ears and our hearts open to you. Speak to us, God. Amen. So, um, I'm a level with you. Um, I didn't do my homework for today. Um, so, uh, So apologize if I'm a little frazzled, if I'm not as polished as I typically am on a Sunday morning. Who am I kidding? Even my polished is pretty tarnished, but whatever. Um, but, uh, but I, I, have a good, I have a good excuse why I didn't do my homework. Uh, Hurricane Ian ate my homework, right? I've um, been, been a little preoccupied in the last couple days. As, as I know, we, we all have. We all have. This, this is weighed heavy on all of us. Anglewood um, is, is my hometown, for those of you that, that didn't know. Um, my family lives there and in Venice and Naples and North. And, and that whole area where, where Hurricane Ian just totally devastated everything. So my mind has been focused on that. Thankfully, um, everyone in my immediate family is safe. There's not a ton of um, at least structural damage um, to my immediate family's house. However, um, I have many extended family members who have lost roofs, flooding everywhere, completely lost everything. A lot of friends down in that area. Um, also, my, my home church uh, is down there. I contacted uh, the pastor who's there, Englewood United Methodist Church, uh, the place where, where I first met Jesus upstairs in the youth room of Englewood UMC the youth room just is a mess now It it is no more so that's where my mind has been the past few days you all as well i know uh, i'm sure all of us know at least one person who has been affected and impacted in some way and we all know that this so easily could have been us i mean it should have been us just about 12 hours before it started to make that little jog south. It, it's crazy. And, and we, need to be, we need to be grateful that we are here right now, that, that we have this place to come into worship. But we shouldn't take that for granted because there's so many churches in the areas that, that they don't have that. Uh, my home church, they're, they're gathering in another building than they typically do, but they're gathering uh, for worship and and just to see each other. So we, we need to praise God that, that we are here, that we get to see each other as well and remember all of them in our prayers today. And so all, all that to say is that... Um, I don't really know what to say uh, today. Um, I've got one foot in my hometown of Englewood. I've got one foot here in Dunedin. And, you know, I'm just sort of at, at a little bit of a loss for words. I mean, I always am when catastrophe happens. But, but this one just for me, for many of us, I know it just hit a little bit closer to home. Um, but, but here is what, what's interesting is that after Easter every year, I go away for about a week um, to plan out my, my message series. So what, what am I going to talk about for throughout the, the rest of the year? I do this every Easter. And so way, way, way ahead of time, I planned this message series for right now. Uh, it's called Prayers for Grownups. And here's the idea behind it is that we have all been taught how to pray. Um, Even if you're not a religious person, you know that when someone says grace before a meal, you know you should probably bow your head and close your eyes. Many of us grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, But the question, the question of this series really is, is how do we pray now that we're grownups? How do we pray when when we have adult-sized problems. How how do we pray, right? When a hurricane comes through and destroys thousands of homes or how did you pray before the hurricane hit and how do we pray now? And maybe the question for, for some of you, right? Is who do I pray to now? God is supposed to be good and, well, this is not good. Jesus spoke and calmed the storms before. Why not this time? These, these are adult size problems. And sometimes we still have this child size faith that hasn't been able to come to terms with these huge issues. That, that sometimes our childhood version of faith just can't handle the enormous weight of these adult size problems problems. And I don't, mean, I don't mean to say that children can't wrap their minds around this. I don't mean to say that the children don't get it, that their faith is, is somehow inept in any way. Over the past few days, I've been praying with my two uh, young children. They're five and seven years old. And it's amazing. They've been praying for people who are in flood zones. They, they prayed the other night for people who don't have friends or family that are in flood zones that they couldn't get to, to a place of safety. They, they get it. I mean, they also thanked God for Power Rangers and soccer balls and bearded dragons. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mix of everything. We're kind of working on all of this. Uh, But one day, one day, one of Jesus's disciples asked Jesus, hey, how how do we pray? Because they'd been listening and watching Jesus pray for a while now. And on this occasion, one of the disciples finally mustered enough courage to go and ask Jesus what they had all been wanting to know for some time. Now, one of the disciples approached Jesus on on behalf of the, the rest of the group and said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Because After watching and listening to Jesus pray, they concluded that perhaps they had been doing it wrong. Perhaps they had been missing something. Now, Jesus' disciples, they, they had all been taught how to pray as children. They were good Jewish boys and girls. They knew how to recite the Psalms. They had the prayers of the rabbis passed down to them. But now Jesus was their rabbi. And they now asked him, how to pray, And this was, this was a special thing because um, in this time in, in Judaism, when a rabbi taught their disciples, their students, how to pray, it was like, here I am passing down everything I know about God to you. It's almost like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed that we have in our church today. Uh, when a rabbi passed down how to pray, it was like passing down all of their faith, the essentials of the faith to uh, their students. But prayer's kind of a funny thing, right? I mean, you pray to find your car keys and, well, it turns out, <laughs> answer to prayer, they were exactly where you left them, right? <laughs> you pray for your team to win and they win because, well, they were expected to win. Or they weren't. You're late to work, you pray that you can get there and hit all of the green lights. And you do. But does that mean that the car that also got through was praying as well? Or perhaps, perhaps you've prayed for something big. so Something that, that we would consider, it, it would be a miracle if this happened. And sometimes it does, right? But sometimes, and sometimes more often than not, all you get in responses is, is nothing. And in the silence, in the nothing, it, it convinces you to believe that there is nothing to prayer that it is a waste of time, that prayer, well, it just doesn't work. And you're right. Most times the, the prayers that we pray, they, they don't work, at least, at least not the way that we wanted them to or intended them to. But in spite of that, Jesus prayed and Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray. And so the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. And Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, teaches them instead how not to pray. He says, you want to learn how to pray? Let me, let me first tell you what not to do. Now, if you're not a religious person, you're going to love this part because Jesus begins by pointing out the hypocrisy of all of the religious people. In fact, here's, here's his lesson on how to pray. This comes from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will listen to them. And this is the part of Jesus that you just have to love because he had no tolerance for pretenders. G- Jesus knew their hearts and he knew that they were no better than anyone else around them. No matter how much they tried to peacock and show off before others, they were just hiding behind stuff. Empty words. He goes on. He says, I assure you, that's the only reward they will get. Don't, don't be impressed by them. They want attention. They're going to get attention from the people who are watching them, but they won't get attention from God. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, turns to his disciples now, when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is present in that secret place. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And so this raises some questions, right? When do you pray? Why do you pray? E- even, even where do you pray? Do you pray so that others are impressed? Or, or do you pray because it's about a connection between you and your good heavenly parent? And so this, this, was a, this was a big deal in Jesus' day because the religious leaders taught that the reason why God doesn't answer your prayers is because, well, you need more faith. And less sin. The reason why God doesn't answer your prayers is, well, it's you. You have too little faith and too much sin. You need more faith and less sin. That's that's the magic combination to unlocking God's blessings in your life, right? And we've we've heard similar things spoken today. It's the reason why COVID broke out throughout the world. It's the reason why the Twin Towers fell. It, it's, it's the reason why hurricanes come and devastate a whole state. Too much sin and not enough faith. You know that, that thinking though, before too long, you, you turn God into some type of ATM where, where you're trying to scramble to find the correct pin number to get your reward from God. God's just this cosmic sugar daddy that you need to please in some way. But Jesus says, when when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Why? Why why isolate myself? Why, Why do I need to do that? Jesus says, go there and pray to your father who is in that secret place. Now, this is huge because Jesus instructs us to pray to God as our heavenly father. Or, or, or our heavenly parent, father, mother, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. That's besides the point. I know some of us get hung up because we had bad relationships with our earthly mom or dad. And so one of them just makes sense over the other. I, I get that. Jesus's point here, I think, is that he's instructing us to have this private and intimate conversation with a God who knows us and loves us deeply. God, God is not just aloof. God is not just floating out there. God is not just this, this thing in the sky. God is not just this higher power. But Jesus says, have a private conversation with your good heavenly parent. Meaning, use whatever tone you need to. You use whatever words you feel appropriate. This is to be intimate, pray in private so that you can pour out your heart before your God who knows you and loves you. And, and I think Jesus says, maybe that's our reward. Maybe, maybe, maybe that we are seen in our moment of prayer, maybe that's our, our reward. That sometimes whether we want to admit it or not, we, we don't really like this as the answer, but, but maybe that's the thing that we need most. To just know that, that we're not alone. That God looks at us and God sees us. To know that God has not abandoned us. To know that God is not distant or aloof or, or does not care. But that God still sees us in our, in our secret places, in our darkest thoughts, in the deepest aches of our hearts. God sees us there. And so then Jesus shifts his attention to another group of people, the, the, the non-Jewish religious folks. And so he, he says this, he says, verse seven, when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words, as the Gentiles do, the non-Jewish people. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your father knows what you need before you ask. Repetition doesn't move God. Length or style doesn't move God to action. Your your good heavenly parent already knows what you need before you ever even ask. See, what what you say in prayer is far less inconsequential than than what you actually pray. If you pray. But here's the question that perhaps you're, you're already asking. Okay, so if God already knows... God already knows my needs before I even ask, then well, why ask what, what's what's the point of it? And, and I think this is exactly Jesus's point. This is, this is where he wants us. This is the question that he wants to pose within us that, that we lift up our heads. And we ask this question, if God already knows me and knows what I need, then why do I need to ask? this is why the disciples asked Jesus to teach him how to teach them how to pray. Cause Jesus prayed just so, so differently, but it brings us to, to this tension. I think Jesus wants us to wrestle with. You see, many times we've, we've reduced prayer to just informing God. Like, like it's almost like a Christmas letter, right? This is what I've been up to. This is, this is what I need informing God about our own needs and wants and wishes. Or maybe if we're feeling a little less selfish, it might be about the needs, wants, and wishes of other people. But if God already knows, right? If God, if God already knows, then, then why pray? But again, Jesus prayed. He encouraged his disciples to pray. So, so what are we, what are we missing here? Well, listen, as Jesus goes on, we, we all know this part or a version of it that follows. Jesus says, pray, pray like this. Our father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Hallowed be thy name, right? Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done. Not my will, not my kingdom. Your will, God is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. And forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's the Lord's Prayer. And we could spend the next 15 minutes or so taking this apart section by section. And actually, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of come back and look at different parts of this. But here's, here's what Jesus' Prayer just kind of boils down to. First, praise God. First, First, thank God. And then ask God for help. Help us in the things that, that we need most. And, and help us in the things, God, that we may not even be aware of. I think, I think this prayer is, is really to get us outside of ourselves, to get us outside of our own heads and our own selfish desires. First, start off by, by thanking and praising God. Uphold the holiness of your name. God, you are great. Because come on, sometimes aren't we too quick to just skip over that part and get on to our wish list? But Jesus says that the first thing that you need to do is you need to just thank God. Pause, pause, and thank God. And then he says, then, then ask for help. God, help us. Help us in, in our own personal needs. Give us, give us our daily bread. And also help us in our relationships. Forgive us as we forgive other people. And so now all of a sudden, the the secret intimate personal behind closed doors conversation with your good heavenly parent is now opened up for other people to come in. You see, prayer is is not only about God and me. It's now also about me and my neighbor, me and my enemy, me, me, and so, and so I, I think, I think this is sort of the gut check question If God already knows our needs, then why do we need to pray? Well, Maybe one is because we don't really know what we need. Not the way that God knows what we need. And maybe we also don't know who else we need to be praying for besides just ourselves. It's been said that the purpose of prayer is not to change God's mind, but it's to change our mind. And to change our hearts. And it's also been said, and, and I think Jesus would agree with this. Certainly his, uh, his followers after him would write things that, that sound a lot like this. It's been said that the most important part of prayer, the most, the most important moment in prayer is the five minutes after you say amen. The most important moment in prayer is, is the five minutes after you say Amen. That what you do next, after you end that conversation, after you give God your to-do list and your wants and your desires, after you say amen, what you do next is the most important part of your prayer. Do you do anything at all? Is, is there any difference? Is there any change after that close, intimate, personal conversation that you have with your good heavenly parent What are you going to do after you hang up the phone and say, amen? What you do next matters. We pray for the people that have been been impacted by hurricane Ian. And we say, Oh God, please help them. I think God says, okay, glad to. Here's what I need you to do. Whoa, 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 whoa. God, I said, you help them. Not, not me, not me. (laughs) God says, well, here's, here's all the ways that, that I can help them. I, I've given you your daily bread. You've, you've got enough. Some of you have more than enough. You've got the whole bakery. They don't. So here's how I'll help them. Through, through you. I think, I think it's so interesting that, that Jesus kind of closes this prayer here by telling his disciples to ask for deliverance. Rescue us from the evil one. And I think that's because you're going to be tempted to fall back into your own ways. You're going to be tempted to to stay stagnant and not change. You're you're going to be tempted to be selfish because that's our human nature. You're going to be tempted to stay idle and you need to resist that temptation. Jesus says you're, you're going to need help. You're going to need help from the Holy Spirit to keep your feet to the fire and keep convicting you and keep prodding you into the ways of good works. You're going to need help to keep changing after you say, Amen. I I believe that in most ways, most of the time, God uses us to answer each other's prayers. Now, I, I certainly believe that, that, yeah, God does do the miraculous. God steps in, intervenes in, in just miraculous ways without any human intervention at all. Yes, I 100% believe that. But, but also, I, I think reality of what I have seen is that 97-ish percent of the time, God does the miraculous through our own calloused hands. Friends, you, you are the answer to each other's prayers. You are your brother, your sister, your siblings, a keeper. God wants to use each and every one of us. And so I figured um, we would just close uh, with, with, with praying, um, But instead of, of me just kind of praying for all of us, I, I want this to be sort of a, a group effort here. And maybe some of you have done something like this before, especially if you grew up uh, maybe Episcopalian or, or Lutheran. It's called prayers of the people where uh, I, I'm going to just kind of give a, a prompt. Here's a group of people that we need to be praying for. And I'll have a moment of silence and you can lift up, maybe a person's name, maybe a group of people or whatever it might be that's just kind of on your heart and on your mind, because we all have that coming into this space today. And then after that moment of silence, I'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and everybody responds, hear our prayer. So we'll take a time, take a, take a moment just, just to pray for all things, all people sur- surrounding this huge natural disaster called hurricane Ian. And so I invite you to join your hearts, uh, join your voices with me as we pray together. So God, we come before you as our good heavenly parent. Or even though that we're gathered here today, may this be like we have shut the door and it's just you and us. God, you know our needs. You know so deeply and intimately that not only our needs, but, but the needs of our neighbors in Southwest Florida. And so God, we lift up before you all of those who have lost loved ones who have lost homes, who have lost their lives, and who have seemed to have lost their future. God, we name them here before you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we lift up before you all those who in, in the aftermath of this, survived this storm that, that now have just immense needs, got places to stay, refrigerators to keep medicine cool, the, the things that, that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. God, for, for all of those who are struggling in the aftermath of this, we name here before you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for those who are responding to this. We pray for the linemen, for the first responders, police and firefighters and Coast Guard and and everyone, Lord, who is going out of their way either to volunteer or to just fulfill their duty. God, we name them here before you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, we pray for our government leaders, the community leaders, city leaders. God, we, we pray for church leaders in these areas that you would give wisdom in how to respond. We name them here before you. Lord in your mercy hear our prayers God we pray for us and for your church global that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors so god we name here before you ourselves and each other and we would help In any way possible. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. So, God, before we say Amen, Lord, we pray that you would shake off any of the dirt from our hearts. God, that you would you would shake off any complacency from our feet. God, that you would change us, move us into action. That we would show up and be your church here locally at First Dunedin, but God, also so much bigger than that. God, that we would listen intently to your teachings, follow the way of Jesus, whatever that looks like. God, help us to bring hope to so many who are hurting. May we just sit with that challenge for a second. And all God's people said, amen. So, um, one day Jesus was teaching crowds gathered around to listen to him. Uh, 5,000, that's just counting the men, 5,000, not including women and children gathered around to listen to Jesus. Teach Jesus got a little long winded, apparently, um, <clears throat> as you know, preachers sometimes do. You all know, um, and, uh, and it was getting late, and the disciples turned to Jesus, and they said, we need to send these people home so they can get back for dinner. We, we, don't, have, we don't have enough food for them. We can't feed all these people. Jesus said, you don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> he said, Lord, we don't have anything. Jesus said to him again, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So they scrounged around. They, they came up with, uh, you know, the story, a couple, couple loaves of bread, a couple of fish from a young boy's lunchbox. Jesus took it, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, go, you feed them. You go feed the hungry people. Turns out there was, in abundance left over afterwards, 12 basketfuls of bread and fish left over. The question is, what's the miracle of that story? How did that miracle happen? Was there something supernatural that happened when Jesus took the bread and, and blessed it and, and it was somehow mysteriously multiplied into thousands and thousands of loaves and fish? Perhaps. Or was the miracle that people took only what was needed and shared? The miracle that people weren't greedy and were satisfied with just enough? I think it's probably a little bit of both if you ask me. I wasn't there. But I do know that Jesus has given himself to us. And that it is enough for us. And yet, it's also more than enough that we can share our daily bread. That we can share Jesus with our hungry neighbors as well. Hunger doesn't happen until one person decides to keep bread for themselves. Let's pray together. It's a holy God. We pray that your Holy Spirit may fill up our hearts with nothing but love and grace. Lord, where there is sin, where there is hatred, where there is apathy, where there is shame or guilt, whatever darkness, God, you would expel that with your light of love. Fill us with your Spirit. Lord, make us one with you one with each other and give us one heart for your mission and your ministry that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.